0: So, good evening. Today is Wednesday, October 3rd, 2018, and we're back here with Casual Encounters. I'm Bruce, your host, and welcome back to the show. So this week, uh, we have our regular segments. so we start with a Word of the Week, then we're going to move to our section of Card of the Week, then we'll move to uh, a recap of the Guilds of Ravnica pre-release, and then finally I'm going to give you a couple of cards to... Uh, look for this week if you're looking to pick something up that might be fun, might be cool, might be uh, something kind of budgety, kind of kind of cool for you to put in your decks uh, something for you to look at. All right, so that's gonna be today's show. Uh, not too long. Um, so let's get right into what we have this week's word of the week All right, so this week's word of the week is the word Jank. <laughs> So this is one of these words that gets bandied around quite regularly with, uh, the magic players, pretty common in the vernacular, and it takes on a bunch of different meanings, um, but generally the sort of agreed, um, sort of understanding of the word jank is that you're playing stuff that is not normal. You're playing cards that would not be the typical tournament fair, um, that'd be a little bit unusual or kind of off the beaten path, um. And usually, it suggests that you're playing something that's a little bit uh, different. It usually, means that you've got some sort of interesting, interesting, uh, you know, uh, interactions with some other cards that aren't usually played. So, jank is jank is usually referred to as being. It's generally viewed as being fairly positive. And if you play something that is janky, it is you know unusual. It is different. It's kind. It's kind. Probably kind of fun. Uh, now. There are times when it can take on a negative connotation. If talking about their their deck and being a pile of jank, they're obviously referring to it being not very good. Um, but usually, it sort of takes on a combination of uh, unusual, peculiar, kind of fun sort of uh, words. So, <clears throat> if you're looking to describe some words that are or some cards that are, yeah, you know, usually get played or kind of you know interesting or old or unusual, these would be termed as jank. So when you hear people talking about their janky deck or their jank jank deck of whatever, or janky cards, that's what you're usually talking about. Something different and usual, kind of off the beaten path. Um, And can be a lot of fun to play with. So uh, don't underestimate that pile of jank you've got in that box of yours. Sift through it, pull out some fun things, and see if you can't make yourself something new and cool to play with the next time you head out to play. All right? So... That's this week's word of the week. That's the word jank. Thanks very much. Moving on to our next section segment, we be a card of, card of the week. Thanks very much. All right. So this week's card of the week is the card Huatli uh, Radiant Champion. She's the green white Huatli from Rivals of Ixalan, and she tends to be uh, kind of overlooked as being part of a marginal uh, sort of planeswalker. If you look at her price trajectory, um, it has basically been a flat line now since she since she was printed, um, which is disappointing because it's actually quite a, a fun card, um, and this card doesn't get a lot of play. However, I think with Selesnya being reprinted uh, so prominently in Guilds of Ravnica, that Hawatli as a green-white commander that, or a green-white card that lends itself very prominently to the idea of a go-wide token strategy. Pardon me, uh, green-white. Token strategy is going to be uh, quite strong going forward, and not just in standard. I think there's there's some playability factor here with watley but I also think just generally uh, there's going to be a resurgence in green-white decks in uh, Commander or in any other format really, where uh, having a card like Hawatly is quite uh is quite good. Mostly because so let's let's go through Hawatly's abilities. So she's two. Green and a white, so four mana altogether um, for a lo- Walk, walker the Watley that comes in with three loyalty counters. So Three loyalty counters is not a lot, however, if you're playing a deck with lots of count, uh, pardon me, with lots of tokens, then you have got um, a lot of potential here because her plus one puts a loyalty counter on Watley Radiant Champion for each creature you control. So if you have three, four, five creatures, you're putting a lot of loyalty counters on, on whatley. Um, her minus one is target creature gets plus X plus X until end of turn where X is the number of creatures you control. So that's a really powerful ability. So you're looking to try and pump one card, one creature, pump it up a ton and then sneak it through for damage or, uh, the combination that exists in a, and the card just rotated out of standard. So in commander, it would be no trouble at all, but with cultivator of blades, cultivator of blades gives all your creatures plus X plus X for uh and where X is equal to its power. So you tar- use Squatly to target Cultivator of Blades, Cultivator of Blades then attacks and pumps the rest of your team. All your creatures get huge. Uh, this was a, a deck that was played um on against the odds by uh by uh by Saffron Olive on an MPG Goldfish. Um it was a ton of fun because you had a lot of Sapperlings and um, cat tokens and vampires and sort of that sort of play now unfortunately it was wasn't very well served in the format where goblin chain Whirler came down and wrecked everything so Whatley kind of got pushed aside but um moving into moving into edh as much as Whatley is still playable in standard and i could see it being a being a factor in standard going forward definitely something i could be played in in edh or in commander um, in Slesnia decks, and there's going to be a resurgence of those. So Hwatli obviously plays very favorably into EDH. Now Slesnia, you have Slesnia get reprinted in, in uh, Guilds of Ravnica, where you're looking to go wide with lots of things anyway, to then land something large, um, a Siege Worm potentially, or even bigger. Um, where now Hwatli's ability, where you g- give her a whole pile of loyalty, and then can use that to pump a creature to do a lot of damage like through a siege worm that has trample there's some potential there in standard um now gronzer that's a very budgety sort of deck but it definitely exists so that's definitely some potential there Her minus eight, which you can get to very readily uh, it's an emblem that says you get an emblem that says whenever you or, sorry a creature enters a battlefield under your control you may draw a card this can get particularly silly in the tokens deck where you have lots of creatures coming into play and you're going to outdraw lots of other decks. You're literally going to outdraw almost any other deck on the table because your deck is making, for every single card you play, it's going to be playing multiple bodies. So you can draw lots of cards, and, and if you're playing lots of cards, uh, you can draw lots of cards, and then with the Convoke, can cast even further, even more of them on the table to really push yourself um, to the point where you're in the driver's seat here. Um, League, you know, could be really something to look forward to. So this card is, you know, my pick of the week this week because it's got, uh, or my card of the week because it's got some, some legs in standard potentially going forward. But it's also got some really strong appeal in EDH. And there's not a lot of people I think that are seeing it. In my playgroups, and I've, I've got two that I play, I don't really see her coming out and being landed very regularly. So, um... She's only right now at about six dollars, so you know reasonably affordable to pick her up. I imagine she's, her price is probably going to drop if she doesn't find play. She's just going to continue to slowly tick down a little bit. Uh, I can see her probably being under five dollars within a year if she's not going to be played that regularly. However, um, you know, for us, those of us who like to play EDH or Commander, I think this is a pretty reasonable card. Doesn't break the bank. Has a really powerful effect. Um, you know, as much as she doesn't protect herself, she kind of does because if she puts a whole pile of loyalty counters on herself. Um, it could be really difficult for your opponent to take her off the table. So that's the thought for this week. Uh, so whatley Radiant Champion is our card of the week. All right, so we're going to be uh, re- reviewing quickly our Guilds of Ravnica pre-release experience. So, I usually play uh, at a pre release. And when I do play, I usually play Two Headed Giant. Um, in part because I find, uh, since I don't play very frequently, it's kind of fun to go and sit with somebody, sit, sit with a friend, and spend the evening talking magic, talking to your friend, and having a good time. Um, pre release is a good place to do that because it's pretty relaxed, pretty fun. Um, you know, generally the experience is, is pretty positive. And so I, I really enjoy it. It's one, fun, uh, one of my favorite ways of playing magic. Um, now I have a couple of partners that I usually will work with. One of them is my brother, um, but he's tough to get a hold of because he's a doctor, so he's obviously very busy. That's so why I have a friend of mine by the name of Dave, who is more or less uh, like me. He's a father, he's got a career, he's busy, he doesn't have a ton of time to play. So uh, when you get a chance to play, it makes for a good good opportunity. Uh, on top of it, it's always nice to have a second set of eyes, a second f- fresh look at stuff. So we. Uh, we often complement each other pretty well, where I look at the game in one way, he looks at it slightly differently, and we, you know, between the two of us, can usually puzzle out a pretty good uh, pair of decks and some interesting lines of play that mean we're usually pretty successful. So, um, Dave was my partner this time around, and we ended up going to the local game store in Ottawa and had a, had a pretty good time. Now, we had to select our guilds ahead of time, so he ended up picking Golgari. I picked Selesnya, so we we're, you know, green-white and black-green respectively which meant we had some overlapping green which was a bit tricky to negotiate but really wasn't too hard We sort of found that the green that Selesnia wanted was different than the green that Golgari wanted so made for a pretty good arrangement Now Dave took his deck and ended up um, more or less taking on a third color to become sort of a Sultai deck Because the fixing in the set is really quite strong with all the guild gates so Dave ended up in Sultai which is blue black and green and and you know, had himself a pretty interesting deck, so he ended up with uh, a couple of really interesting cards, particularly in Demir that he was really interested in. Particularly, Demir Spybug, which is a uh, black and a blue for a one-one flying menace creature, and then whenever you surveil, you put a plus one plus one counter on Demir Spybug. So if you can surveil it even a couple of times, this thing becomes a pretty difficult creature to deal with. So that was a thing. He had a City Watch Sphinx, which is a flying 5-4 five, for four, 5 and a blue. And when it dies, you get to surveil two. Again. Very very useful, very strong card. Uh, he had a Thief of Sanity, which has way too much text on it. But essentially it you know, if it deals combat damage to your opponent, it you dig through the first top three cards of their of their library and exile one and you may cast that one. Um, so it's pretty strong stuff. So on the whole, he has an interesting blue. Uh, now, the reason i say it was a full-on blue was it wasn't like he was splashing blue for a few of these cards, um, because the ones I had all previously given you guys, those are all have single blue pips. However, he ended up having a couple of Watchers in the Mist, which are three and two blue for a three-four flying creature with um, Surveil Two when it enters the battlefield. Now, if you remember Dominaria, um, three-four flyer, a Scry Two was Cloudweaver Sphinx, it was a really good card. Really good card. And so Dave looked at this. This is basically analogous to it. It is essentially the same card, just with a Surreal trigger on it instead of a Scry. And so he looked at this and said, all right, I want to play this too. The problem is double blue when you're playing a three-color deck is really tough. So his deck was a little bit more heavily skewed. Um, But he was still in the the good old Golgari, like, Mindset where he wants to trade off some creatures, feed some undergrowth, and try and get some payoffs that way. So he was kind of an interesting deck. It was looked like a lot of fun. We had a lot of strong removal in his deck too, which meant that um, Dave, you know, could handle a lot of stuff. On my end, my Slesnia deck was essentially a green-white deck, and I splashed very lightly for Command Storm, which is um, a card that is, you know, not typical for me but it was it proved to be quite decent for me so command storm says let's see oh that's not it command the storm there it is so five and a blue, five on a red for uh, for instance balance that says com, uh, command the storm deals five damage to target creature five damage in this format pretty much takes down everything so it's a it's real strong removal. Rule card but it was pretty much the only red card i was playing the rest of my deck was you know more or less um stuff that you would be expecting to see um it was things like um well first of all triple siege worm which was definitely a thing um i had conclave tribunal which was a pretty decent uh, removal spell for me i had a a ledev champion i have had a couple of centaur peacemakers um so I just had some, some strong cards. Um, you know, I had Concave Cavalier, which was a was a, a particularly strong card for my deck, which is green, green, white, white, for a 4-4 four, four Vigilance creature. And then when it dies, it leaves behind 2 2-2 two, two green, white Elf Knight tokens with Vigilance. So if it dies, it leaves behind two more 2-2s two, with Vigilance. So that's definitely challenging to deal with. So on the whole, um, the deck's were pretty fun. I have to say that I was a little disappointed. That I didn't get more token enablers in my in my pool. <laughs> I found it a little bit tough to to get to the point where I could convoke out a lot of a lot of stuff. In no small measure, because <coughs> pardon me, in no small measure because I just didn't have as many uh, two drops as I was you know kind of hoping for. I had lots of uh, expensive stuff. Um, in terms of siege worms and things, but I didn't really have any inexpensive creatures that were, you know, impactful enough. So if you're not having impactful creatures, you want lots of creatures. So I didn't really get them, so I ended up having a bit of a tough time. Um, One spell that I did make good use of, um, I found was was quite a strong card, was Bounty of Might, which I thought was kind of a clunky spell, and I didn't think it was going to be very good. Um, However, when you can you know attack with your creatures and then uh on your and then you know follow it up with a having six man open for this thing you can do a lot of damage you can it's pretty much reads wipe the board so um i'm able to use it in two of the four games i played and when i did it just clobbered my opponents they were just couldn't really cope with it so it was really quite interesting um I'm not sure how good it is really i know the guys limited resources were quite strong but high on this card gave it an a or an a minus so i mean obviously it's a good card i'm not sure how much i dig it but it's pretty interesting so how did our matches go it went pretty well uh we ended up two and two for the night but uh so in the first first game we sat down um with a, a couple a boyfriend and girlfriend couple and they were very nice very pleasant and uh but I noticed this guy sets down and he's got a playmat as is store champion. Which means he plays probably regularly enough and he's probably a pretty pretty decent player. So kind of, oh, okay, this could be tough. Um, she was on a Jeskai deck, which is probably like an is it Boros. Like, I wasn't sure if it was more it or more Boros, but it's definitely um, pretty strong. Uh, she ended up slamming an Aurelia pretty early on. So we were definitely on the back foot pretty early. Um, he was on a Demir, on a Demir deck, and uh, I'm not really sure. I didn't really get to see the top end of his deck, but because we were too busy trying to cope with what she was doing, um, so once we removed some of the things on, on, she was running that were particularly problematic, particularly making um, Aurelia disappear, we were better. We were better positioned to uh, to take control of the game, and when we did, I ended up slamming a Siege Worm and uh then up up picking up a one plus one plus one counter and so it's a six six and, with trample and it was pretty much attacking through freely to the point where our opponents were pretty much uh in a position where they couldn't really cope so very quickly you know siege worm closes out the game and we ended up you know coming out with the win so we're one to oh. know um next couple we're playing is another boyfriend girlfriend combination and they're on uh so she's on a selesnia deck and he's on a Demir deck and she resolves an Amara on turn two, and w- this was one of these cards that was a pretty big overperformer for me. Um, At first, in my eyes, uh, Amara was terrific. I didn't get her in my pool, but she's exactly what the Slendy decks want to do to convoke out creatures. Um, so she was really, really potent. And so um, Amara, she's a, she, our opponent resolved Amara, and then she immediately started convoking out stuff and making more and more cre- creature tokens to convoke with. <laughs> Now, the problem I sort of found with the Convoke mechanic in this particular format is that it really ends up suffocating your ability to be aggressive because you're spending all your creatures to power out more creatures. Um, so it means you're not really leveraging your, your creatures to get your opponent dead. Sometimes that's good, but there's times when you, know, you could play another creature or you could just turn them sideways and attack and you might be further ahead just to attack me rather than to try and build your board out some more. However, they were building their boards out out some more, and I think we sort of had ourselves in a position where we were not in a bad spot (sighs) until our opponent played Mnemonic Betrayal, which is, uh, I have to say, is a really powerful card. So for one, a blue and a black, he exiled both of our graveyards and then could cast spells from them this turn. And so we were able to cast three things out of our graveyards with the remaining mana he had left open. And that just turned the corner. So, you know, we went from a position where we were sort of on par or at parity with them. And then we ended up very quickly running out of cards and being behind and being essentially in a position where we were dead to rights because he used our own graveyard against us. Um, It was was definitely, definitely kind of gross, but cool to watch all in its own right. So... Uh, mnemonic betrayal definitely got us and we ended up losing game two game three we're on we're playing another boyfriend girlfriend combination this time it's a uh she's on a she's on a selesnia deck again and he's on a Demir deck and again very early on she resolves an amara the difference this time around is that they weren't able to f- <coughs> follow it up and his Demir deck wasn't nearly as uh let's say uh controlling as the guy in the previous game um so we were able to resolve some things and this is where i ended up getting having an opportunity to attack with my board and they had blockers so they they weren't going to take a ton of damage but i cast bounty of might and what it did is it basically blew them off the table because it wiped out their whole board and we ended up being able to from there ride that to to a pretty easy victory um but Bottom line was because his deck didn't demonstrate a whole lot of really strong uh, control elements to it, we were able to resolve creatures and basically attack unimpeded. Um, because you know, she was pretty tentative with Amara, she didn't really convoke out anything huge, and he wasn't really interacting with us particularly, so we just got sort of got to do free reign. So that suited us just fine, and we got a win. And we were up. We got two wins, and one loss. So we're going to our final match, and uh, if we had won the match, we would be three and one. We went some extra packs. Unfortunately, uh, we didn't win. So spoiler, didn't quite win. Didn't quite get there, but uh, we still had a pretty good game. So one of these, this is a you know pair of pair of guys who are friends, and the one one gentleman was on a Boros deck, and the other guy was on a same was a Chess guy deck. But anyway, so the Boros deck uh, ends up resolving a bunch of um, a bunch of aggressive creatures, and their you know Hammer Dropper and things like that, and toss some counters around. It was really really tough to try and get a get a firm grip on how on how to manage them. And then they ended up resolving. Um, let me find the piece of equipment. Ah uh, yes, uh, Glaive of the Guild Pack, which is a equipment for Two and then equips for three. that equip creature gets plus one plus O oh, for each gate you, gate you control, which doesn't sound particularly spicy. But when your opponent plays Healer's Hawk, which is a one mana one one flying lifelinking creature, and then equips it with uh, this particular artifact, and they've got any number of gates, they're going to go to go to work. And so very quickly, this little card uh, ran their life total way up. Took a big chunks of ours every turn for four, five, six damage. They were they were doing big work with it. So we didn't really have an answer. We had no way to pull it down. So we were really frustrated by this little card. Um, but in the end, it was this with some other flyers and some invasive creatures that got there in the end. Oh, I guess he was on a, a Dimir deck because he ended up finishing off with a, with a crippling chill um, or creeping chill, which is the instant or the, yeah the sorcery that deals three damage and they gain three life reach and reach opponent and since is two at a giant we each lost three life and so once we we're only you're we're only at four and so it meant that we ended up being dead which was again probably disappointing yes it was creeping chill so we were a little disappointed but um on the whole we thought we thought our, our decks were pretty good um what we took from this one is that we didn't really have a, a huge win con here we didn't have any great rares or mythics that were really going to propel our decks into being um, very strong the fact that we managed to get two solid wins is is good um and you know we got beat by one deck with a ridiculous rare um you know in the with the you know which is you know, with the mnemonic betrayal but um, generally speaking we ended up uh, with a pretty average deck and having a pretty average result so we can't be disappointed we thought two and two was pretty good for us and uh, made for a fun night it was, it was a ton of fun though it was a really enjoyable experience and um, if you're ever worried about or concerned about going to a pre-release I really encourage you just give it a try you're gonna find you really enjoy it and you're not gonna be regretting it too much in, in the end all right so that's my my report from my pre-release uh, we'll be moving on to my uh, my pick of the week or my card of the week for uh, for those of you who are looking for something budgety and financial sort of uh, to look at. And then we'll be uh, signing off and having a good night. All right. Thanks very much. We'll move on to our our next section. Thank you very much. All right. So we're back. Our final segment of this week's show is going to be a, Something for you guys to look for to pick up when you guys are out. Uh, if you're looking to find something that is uh, kind of fun or interesting for your decks. So one of these things that I was looking at. So I was, I was on MTG Arena and part of the, the pre-release had some uh, a kit that or, or a promo code for some packs. And an an experience to play a release event. So while I played my release event and in my seal pool I had this card Find and Finality. Which, so the find half is, uh, so uh, Golgari hybrid, Golgari hybrid, so black, green, black, green. Um, It says return up to two target creature cards from your graveyard to your hand. So double raise dead. Okay, pretty decent. The finality angle of it is four black, green for a card that says you may put two plus one plus one counters on a creature you control. Then all creatures get minus four, minus four until end of turn. So this kind of reminds me of like languish um but with a way to salvage your creature and not make sure that everything you die. So um in, you know in limited you definitely wipe out a whole bunch. I think uh in evh it could be uh, a playable card where you can definitely leverage it to some pretty good advantage and wipe out a lot of utility things, uh shrink some some big stuff um and just, and just generally do a lot of damage to really deal with things. So um you know, I ended up ordering a pair of them. Uh, they only cost 75 cents right now. So if you were looking for something kind of a budget option for a black-green deck, I know black-green decks are rife with piles of removal. But, you know, you get lots of it, and it, some of it is, you know, very expensive to buy because it's playing Damnation, and it's pricey. Or things like Crux of Fate, where sometimes that, the Claws where you're killing, are you killing, dragons are you killing non-dragons what are you doing um can get you sort of stuck um so this is kind of an interesting card so um the double raised dead option seems pretty strong in a format where you've been or in a game where you've been playing for a long time and you gotta buy something back because otherwise you've lost your win con or you've or something good that you're really looking for has gone gone to the yard um the finality angle could be really useful wipe so um, I really like this card, and it's 75 cents. You can't really go wrong. It's pretty in a, pretty affordable. And if this takes any sort of hold in standard um, right now, it definitely could be a player where it's uh, going to be doing some serious damage, and, and not be 75 cents for long. It could be dollar fifty, two bucks, three bucks. You know, I don't see it being too much more than you know three, but. There's a big difference. If you have to a pair, buy a pair for $3 each, you're paying 6 If you buy them at $0.75, you're paying $1.50. So if you're on a budget, you're someone like me, then this might be something that you want to pick up because I think the applicability, the, applicability, the flexibility could be pretty useful. So that's what I'm looking at this week. grabbed a pair. Um, I was also looking at some stuff that's rotated out um, and picked up a few things here and there. Um, notably another God Pharaoh's Gift because I think God Pharaoh's Gift actually is really strong anybody who you know, doesn't want to pick one up is perhaps missing the boat um, also another Anointed Procession you can't have too many Anointed Processions because that card is only going to go up in price so that's three choices that, that I'd be looking for for Final Finality from Girls of Ravnica uh, God's Pharaoh's Gift that just rotated out and um, last but not least I would probably say the Anointed Procession All right, that's our cards to watch this week. Uh, We're moving on to our outro and where to get a hold of me. The next, and you know, wishing you guys all a great night. Thanks very much. Last section, segment coming up. All right, our final segment is wishing you all a great night. Thanks very much for stopping by and having another visit with Casual Encounters. Tons of fun. Really enjoyed uh, the opportunity to cast again. Uh, It's been twice in like two weeks. It's like kind of a record for me which is kind of awesome hopefully it's something i can continue going forward um but um that's this week's show um if you want to get a hold of me best way to reach me is on twitter my uh, you can reach me on twitter at bgray8791 um that's where you can reach me on twitter um if there's other demand for other things we can you know, send me a message, we can quickly set up some other stuff if that's not your preferred method of contacting somebody. But uh, that's how I tend to operate nowadays um, with Magic. It's sort of uh, 140 to 200, 280 characters at a time. Um, but uh, thanks very much for stopping by this week and uh, look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks very much. Have yourselves a great night and talk to you again soon.
1: Alright, good evening. Thank you very much for joining me again here at at, uh, Casual Encounters. I'm your host, Bruce, and uh, this is my little corner where I can talk about anything I want to talk about. uh, And that's uh, my favorite topic is Magic the Gathering. So, I'm on my way home tonight, and this is sort of recording on the road. I'm on my way home from playing Commander with some of my friends. Uh, I'm, I play with two different play groups, and uh, the one that meets on on Friday nights is a little bit more on this, say, um, let's say, powerful end of things. Uh, whereas the my 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 friends that I grew up with playing are far more of a casual, dertle, not do a whole lot sort of crowd. So there were five of us tonight, and uh, we played two games, which is uh, which is pretty good. We're done in good time, so I'm on my way home now, and it's not too too late. So, all in all, I'd say that's very positive. So, in the first game today, uh, so the five in the five of us, I ended up deciding to play Alesha. So, Mardu colored, so black, red, and white, and uh, i sort of the opinion that's one of my stronger decks. I'm not gonna say it's a world beater, but it seems to have enough game against a lot of different decks that I that I'm like, all right. I'll try this out and see what uh, the table is gonna uh, bring out tonight. So immediately to my left was Chris Christophe. Uh, Christophe Christoph was on the Ur-Dragon deck, so Dragon Precon, that's obviously had some upgrades based on what we saw. Then Denis was there and Denis was on um, Estrid, so the Band Colored Enchantment Precon. Then we had Kevin who was also on the Dragon pre-con, although his has got a lot of upgrades. And then there was Neil, who's playing Grimlock, so dinos and transforming things and just really big stompy stuff. Uh, so I'm on Alesha, and my initial outlook was, uh, this is a bad matchup for me, because all these guys play things that are way bigger than me. Uh, my, essentially, my, game, my strategy with this deck is to get underneath them. Get low, get underneath, uh, play, play a go-wider strategy than they are, um, and see if I can't leverage that to win. Um, as the game went on, though, obviously my strategy was very potent against them. What ended up happening is that most of these decks would only resolve one, maybe two threats at a time, um, which made them fairly easy to, to answer and if I didn't answer them there were enough other people that, on the table who just were not prepared to let people resolve giant dragons or scary dinosaurs or you know whatever. Now that's not to say that I didn't take a pounding there was definitely some pounding to be taken um, but I seemed to avoid the worst of it uh, which is kind of nice. Uh, Alessia did a lot of work Um, So if anyone's not familiar with Alesha, she's 2 and a red for a 3-2 first strike creature. And the activated ability is for um, 3 mana, you can get a, bring a creature from your graveyard with power 2 or less back, uh, have it tapped and attacking whenever Alesha attacks. So, this enables all sorts of shenanigans, particularly things where you're getting, you're spending far, you're, you're getting far more than two or three mana's worth of creature for two mana. Uh, sorry for your for your activation. Too many times people play two powered things and it's two maybe three mana to play it. <clears throat> but there are creatures out there that have got lots of value for one way, one way or another. Whether it's um, things like uh, Angel of Invention, which is a personal favorite of mine. Because you get, you're not getting a, a a two power creature. You're getting a two power creature that makes two more creatures too, and they're both a two two both two twos as well. Um, Ponyback Brigades, another one that I really like a lot. That you're getting five power and five toughness for your for the activation off of Alesha. So uh, it's one of those things where I mean I found it really 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 good to. Uh, to have these sort of targets, uh, and I have a lot of them. So as long long as I can get Alesha to attack reasonably freely, I am able to um, cause my opponents a world of grief, and recycle things from my graveyard all the time. And that's exactly what happened. And when they're playing only one, maybe two threats, it's pretty easy for me to remove them, and uh, clear the way for me to get an attack through, activate, Get my thing back, get the value off of it, and then move on. And as we went, so I was able to beat down on. So Kevin got removed earlier in the game, and in the same turn, I, I managed to eliminate both Neil and K-Stuff, leaving me with just Denis to face. And Denis ended up having his deck essentially go to sleep, which, you know, is one of those things that happens. You run into a whole string of land, and. You don't really have a way to play or your way out of it and so you just get punished so you know I was able to put enough on the battlefield where I was able to punish him and in the end I was able to, to get a win which you know believe it or not for that deck happens with, with you know regularity it's quite it's quite impressive um, to see how the deck goes and to see just how it works so uh, so yeah the first game went to me the second game was a little bit tougher, so I elected to pull my Rashmi Attorney's Crafters deck, which is actually also a very another powerful deck of mine. Um, and again, it's not going to be not going to scare anybody. Uh, and in a multiplayer game, I'm really hoping my opponents misvalue the threat assessment of my deck and allow me to to really go to work and set up shop and then take over the game. And Today was actually quite interesting. So early on in the game, I was uh, drawing into some stuff and I managed to play a Manglehorn. Well, one of my opponents, so Denis in this particular game was on the Brea deck, so essentially all artifacts. And uh, having a Manglehorn really slowed him down so that his things came into play tapped. Then you add in the fact that Neil ended up playing Meekstone Meek Stone shut down the rest of the table. So it really was a problem. But the fact that I had Rashmi on board, I had Manglehorn on board, and I wasn't really being attacked because everybody was tapped down, was really to my benefit. And um, I had set up a pretty nasty little loop, where, so I ended up getting um, Fleeting Memories, which is a really innocuous looking enchantment. So for two in a blue, you investigate, and then it says whenever you invest, whenever you sacri- sacrifice a clue, one of your opponents mills three cards. And okay, so that's that's a, that's a something that's good. Um, then I had a Tamiel's journal. Tamiel's journal says uh, on the, on your upkeep, investigate. So you make another, make a clue. So right there, I have a built-in value, built-in mill engine that I can put into put to work. It's not cheap, but I can do it. Um, and then I also ended up resolving an Erdwald Illuminator. So this is a two mana one three flyer that says whenever you um, investigate for the first time each turn, investigate again. So Tamio's Journal investigates on your upkeep. Erdwald Illuminator investigates right along with it, and so now you're getting uh, now you're getting a, a double a double activation of, your, of clues, and you can very quickly pile up enough clue tokens to really make things uncomfortable for your opponent. So what I was able to set up shop to do was that now I'm, I'm getting enough clue tokens fast enough that I can then sacrifice them, mill a, a fairly high, high percentage of your deck off the top of your deck, and really deny you what, what's on the top of your deck. Considering our, one of my opponents, Kistuff, uh, had a Lantern of Insight in play that allowed me to see exactly what people were playing on top of their deck and it was kind of a, new, a neat little combination where I knew who, had, who was threatening or at least threatening vis-a-vis what was on their to- the top of their deck and um, from there can decide what am I going to mill. I uh, we pick up three tokens, three, three things and you can go tutor up <coughs> another piece so my uh, my deck was actually going to be able to put together quite a quite a good mill strategy as well as a, a building up some some good value so yeah no it was uh it was really quite interesting now i didn't win the, i didn't end up winning that game um so in that game his stuff was on uh, oh what was he on it was Oh, my goodness, i forgot forgotten what it was. Oh, the Mimeoplasm. Yeah, he was on the Mimeoplasm. Uh, Denis was on uh, Brea. Kevin was on Marin, which just made me groan. Because you know what? Marin does one thing one thing only. I have to play a graveyard reanimation strategy. And then um, Neil was ha- had Arcades, the, sa- the, the strategist. So you know he's playing... Uh, mono walls and uh, looking to win through through value based on walls um, in the end it was Kevin who won this game not through a lot of value recursion uh, particularly it was uh, because Kevin had a Lord of Extinction in hand and a Gerard uh, in play so he resolved the Um, the Lord of Extinction and we counted up all the cards in our graveyards and it was over 70 cards or whatever it is by the time everyone counted it all up. And then you could sacrifice the Lord of Extinction to Gerard and next thing you know, everybody's dead. So, uh, it was kind of a lame ending to the game. Um, but I was actually pretty, pretty, uh, pretty upbeat about the game because my deck was actually doing something kind of unique and I don't think my opponents really expected a mill strategy, because I don't usually present a mill strategy as being something that I, I want to play. But in this instance, I was trying to set up a mill strategy as being something that I could maybe, you know, leverage to some advantage over time, um, and gradually, you know, you know, suddenly your opponent wakes up and they go, "Oh, geez, I only got 18 cards left to, to play," and. You know, I'm in. am in a huge hole here, because I know that's two activations of Bruce's stuff, and I'm dead. So, it was really quite, quite neat to uh, to see if I could set it up. And like I said, I literally almost had it. My opponents weren't really in a position to uh, to punish me too, too hard, uh, and I had some really neat things in, in, in hand that I was going to be able to deploy. <coughs> <coughs> so, had I had another had I had another untapped step, I really would have uh, you know, been in a really commanding spot because uh, I had an ulamog in hand and I have and I was drawing my tenth land for the for the game. And so I was gonna you know, I was really hoping I'd be able to resolve an ulamog, I uh, deal with Gerard, deal with another problematic permanent, and then from there move forward as, to into really putting the screws down to my opponents to, to put put it in place. So I really feel like I wasn't too far off winning that game, uh, even though I obviously, in the end, didn't didn't win it. Um, again, both decks present uh, themselves as being, uh, I guess, fairly similar, and I guess it's sort of a way I like to build decks. I'm looking to deceive you into how powerful my deck is. Too many times in Commander, people play, want to play things that are, you know, 10 bell, like Alarm, you gotta watch out, that thing hits the battlefield and everybody immediately is scrambling to to deal with you. Whereas I find I seem to get them have the most success with decks that just managed, that are there and people don't really view you as a threat. And so you end up being able to eke out some incremental va- value and some incremental advantage. And uh, in that if your opponents continue to uh, be unable to identify what the real threat is of the deck then you end up being able to leverage that to some pretty good effects. So, Alesha doesn't look intimidating on its own. Um, but when you have Alesha backed up with some removal and some creatures in your graveyard, then very quickly you're able to generate a lot of value. Creatures jump out of the yard, uh, enter the battlefield, triggers re trigger, uh, and you're able to leverage that to to a very large, wide board state. And then, you know, backed up with just enough removal. You're able to cause a heap of damage, so Kevin got eliminated in the, in, the, in our first game with when I played Alesha, because he was at sitting at 21 points of life, and with, with a big dragon to block, and I removed the dragon with a, with a with a with a with a removal trick, and then cracked in for 18, and he, so he was dead, or just about he was at three points of life, and there was. Neil was up next and Neil's like I don't really have any value like in terms of killing your things Bruce but I can kill Kevin right here so Kevin already went um, and so you know it's just you build up ponyback brigades or you put uh, you know Angel of Invention on the battlefield and very quickly your, your board state swells you end up building up a lot of creatures and you can go to work <clears throat> Same thing with Rashmi, Rashmi very quietly is a big value engine where you can draw a card almost every turn if you're smart about it. And so, you know, having Rashmi and Turnage Crafter sit on the board and be essentially unanswerable, uh, either because your your opponents don't view it as a threat or because everybody's too busy dealing with each other because it's too small, then you can go and eke out value. <coughs> So, no, it's really quite... Uh, it was a good night. I have to say, I think I played quite well. Uh, and had a lot of success. Uh, if you're looking for those, um, those deck lists, I can try and get those po- posted and uh, include them so people can have a look if people genuinely are interested. I, you know... Are they world beater decks? No, they're not. They're not decks that you're going to say, Oh my... I'm going to wade into competitive EDH with that pile. But I do think that there's uh, they're strong, stronger than people think. Uh, Alessia, people know, and it's always known, uh, it's a very powerful card. and People tend to overlook it still, even though it's a very popular commander. I'd say it's in the top 20 of all time. It's very powerful in that you could get a lot of very powerful creatures to come hopping out of your yard for, two, for, for a very small mana investment. Uh, and it just lends to a combo sort of kill, I think. Um, the other flip side, Rashmi, is one that you know really isn't that well, well known or well sought after. And so, people don't really know what to do with it, and then they very quickly realize how many cards you can draw off of decks that are built to exploit card draw. And you know, it was really quite impressive. Um, it's not the, quite the same as uh, a deck that's really looking to recur from your graveyard. But it's a very strong deck, and I've won many times now with it, uh, despite the fact that it doesn't have as many finishers, raw finishers, as some decks that I have w- might uh, might back might might pack. So, um, yeah, it was pretty it was pretty interesting. Um, now, sometimes you guys look to me and say, "Hey, Bruce, do you have any you know any things that you sell? Tell me you want to watch." And uh, so right now, I don't really have anything super pressing that I think people need to be keeping their eyes peeled for. Um, but I do think, and this is kind of like old hat, if you have a chance to pick up any of the gods, whether it's gods from uh, the Theros block or gods from Emonkhet block, you really should be doing yourself a favor and scooping up a couple because I really think that these are the sort of cards that in Commander, uh, they may be reprinted this year or, or early next, but they haven't seen a reprint in, you know, pretty close to five years now, and so the cost of these things have started to creep up, and they're harder and harder to find, and so, and well, because they're particularly the ones from Theros, because they're indestructible, they've and they have an effect that is an enchantment-like effect. They're very, very, very powerful. You can do a, get a lot of power out of these decks, um, even if you're not a very good deck or a very good player. So. Uh, look for your look for the gods. Uh, I think that you're not going to be disappointed if you manage to get your hands on a few of them and put them in your decks. Uh, I'm, you know, I recently had a Heliod show up, a Crew Fix. Uh, I have several Farikas and other such things. I think having this as an option or these cards as options for your decks is very powerful. They all have very powerful effects, even if you don't don't like personally like the card but uh, no, very good stuff you should be looking to see if you can't uh, get a hold of some of these before they uh, they they continue to become expensive because the cycle seems to be card gets printed, cost is reasonable over time it starts to rise and then there comes a point and I don't know what at what point that is but there comes a point where mythics that aren't much good in standard or modern start slowly disappearing from the market over time so they can go into commander decks and suddenly the cost see people wake up and realize oh my goodness this card that I'm looking for is gone because I was looking for a Heliod or I was looking for a uh, Erebos and now I can't get it because you know the price has gone up significantly or you know what have you so that's what's up with me got a little financial tip there elder gods or gods in general and then uh, a little uh, synopsis of how play was tonight all uh, in the whole, lots of fun. Uh, looking forward to uh, to the Christmas holidays so soon and uh, you know, taking a bit of a wee break from uh, magic. But uh, anyway, thanks very
0: much, guys. Take care tonight. I'll talk to you guys again soon and have fun wherever you play magic next. Thanks very much.